Welcome to Naomi's Table, a Bible-based program just for women where seasoned Naomi's nurture young roots with real scriptural food for the spirit. Encouraging and equipping your walk in biblical womanhood. Grab a Bible, pull up a chair, and invite your friends. There's plenty of room at Naomi's Table. Well, welcome to the table, everyone. I'm Amy Spreeman, along with my sidekick and co-host, Nancy LeMay. Hey, Nancy. Hey. Hey, you know, today what we're going to do is follow up on a, a very powerful segment that we aired on Friday. And if you didn't listen to it, we've got the podcast online. We were talking about uh, purity, and uh, we shared an article uh, that featured some interviews from 60 college students, a, a women who attend Penn State. There's an article there that you can go and look at. Uh, and they were talking about why purity just doesn't matter in this age of hookups, and, and many of you uh, since that interview have shared your own experiences from your youth and uh, the lies that you believed that we as women are free to have it all, including a promiscuous lifestyle, and uh, that's just not the case. No, and once again, just like we warned on Friday, if you have any little children that might be listening, you might want to tune in to another program because we will be talking about some sensitive issues. Uh, if you do have daughters though, that are in the teenage years and maybe even the preteens, it might be a good idea to have them listen just so that they know what is out there in the world if they have not experienced this, unfortunately, in, yeah. in the schools already. Well, and that's what the table talk is all about. It's to bring our young daughters along so that they can learn from experiences of, of the older, mature women who have been there. Yes, and the cry of my heart is to somehow help you not make the same mistakes that I did. Mm -hmm. uh, it's years of heartache if you do and I I just, I know it's hard to listen to someone else and to learn from someone else's mistakes, but I, I pray that God opens your eyes and softens your heart to receive that message today. Well, we are going to hear from many women who uh, still uh, remember those scars. And, and in fact, the title of our podcast today, if you need to listen later, is titled uh, The Scars of Promiscuity. But uh, what we hope you hear is that the hope we have in Christ washes that away. What do we have coming up in our Bible study segment today? Well, we've got our teacher, Ruth Christian, who will be here with a topical lesson titled, In God's Family. We've got the notes on our website at naomistable.com, so you can follow along. All right, and many of you are, and, and we really appreciate this growing online audience that we have. If you would like to share your insights, your your wisdom, um, Bible study verses that you've picked up along the way, uh, you can go to our Facebook page, or uh, you can send us an email at connect at naomistable.com, and and we do have a private Google Plus community page, and all the details about how to join that are on our website as, as well. And uh, uh, no one's taken us up on this yet, but uh, what we've put out there is a, a call and record uh, opportunity. So you can call us and record a message on our Naomi line. That's what we've called it. Maybe maybe the title's too weird, but uh, it's uh, 1-800-979-9010 to get to our radio station. And then uh, you can hit extension 109 to get to uh, the Naomi line. And uh, from time to time, uh, if we get some of those messages, we're going to play them on the program so that uh, we can bring more voices into the table. So the topic today, the scars of promiscuity. And uh, if you were listening on Friday, we got real personal. We, we talked about some of the things that we've experienced as women and uh, in our pasts. And, and we learned some things along the way. And many of you echoed this, uh, that uh, you really can't have it all, as they say. And I'm putting those 
air bunny quotes around having it all because if you think that you can have free love and, and free uh, you know just promiscuity in the lifestyle uh, and then go on with life like it won't matter it's just not true is it Nancy? No it's not and sadly we already know from uh, shows that you and Mike have done on Stand Up For The Truth that even kids that are raised in Christian homes with a good Christian foundation, once they go away to college, sadly, most of them, I think it was upwards of 80% or so, actually leave the faith. Yeah, not only leave their churches, but leave Christianity and their belief system behind altogether. Uh, and there's a reason for that. Uh, college students find out that uh, if you're a freshman, there are professors who uh, target freshman students, and they make it uh, unashamedly. They make it their mission to break you and crack you of your religious belief system. And uh, so, so much for the parents paying the tuition who thought that they were sending their child into a safe environment. And even if you send them to a Bible college, they are not immune to this. Um, many of the Bible colleges out there now have allowed in very dangerous teachings, yes. even to the extent of not allowing uh, creationism or intelligent design to be taught anymore. Well, and some of them are teaching uh, uh, secular humanism as a, uh, you know, kind of syncretizing. So you really have to be careful and do your homework if you've got a, a student who's coming up on the college years and you're beginning to explore, as we are at our house. Uh, our daughter's a junior this year, and, and we'll be looking into that as well. But uh, really, that those those years, the high school, the uh, college years, those are some very, um, well, precarious years for young girls. Yes, and just to share a little bit of my story again, and I apologize for those of you listening Friday, some of these might be a little redundant, some of this might be redundant, but um, I had turned away from God in my high school years mm-hmm. because the girls that were in the Sunday school class at the church that we were going to basically told me they didn't want me around, oh. and that was in the high school, but yet why would I want to sit in a Sunday school class with them? Right. <laughs> so I basically turned away from God at that point. I stopped going to church altogether and just basically turned away from God. So I was still a, quote, good girl, if you will, until I got to college. And when I went to college, I went to the University of Missouri, Columbia, and this would have been in the late 70s, early 80s. And... If you remember hearing, uh, they still do it actually, uh, one of the magazines would come out, and might have been Princeton Review, would come out with a ranking of the top 20 party schools oh, I remember in the nation. Those, yes. Well, in the year that I was at Mizzou, the ranking had two schools that were not included but had an asterisk next to it. Mm-hmm. And it said that the reason why these two schools were not being included was because it would not be fair to the others to add professionals to the rankings. Oh, boy. Those two schools were University of Wisconsin-Madison and University of Missouri-Columbia. Guess which university system I went to. Yeah, I, I went to the party schools as well, and whoa. <laughs> yeah. So when I went, I was shy. I didn't really know anyone except my roommate, and she had a steady boyfriend. So I, I had nowhere really to turn and I somehow got into this partying scene uh, really didn't take hold I had a steady boyfriend for the first year and a half 
two years. But then um, I broke up with him at the end of that sophomore year because I realized he was not the one for me. Uh, and I started just going hog wild starting that summer between my sophomore and junior years. And then yeah. junior years, it was like, all heck broke loose. Mm. So I, I was very deep into the drinking. I was into the sex and I was into drugs. Um, nothing really major there, but it was bad enough with the marijuana. Very prevalent, very easy to get on the campus. Uh, and in fact, my downstairs neighbors at the apartment complex were dealers. Oh, so okay. it was very easy to get. Uh, and I I really just did whatever I, I wanted, whatever I felt like, whatever, quote, felt good at the moment. Uh, and I could relate to many of the women in this article that we covered on Friday about uh, having the hookups, you know, going to the bars when you're not studying, going to the bars, picking up guys, different guys every night, different guys every weekend. And it was a very, very... Um, godless time for me. I had already turned my back on God, but I, it was almost like I was spitting in his face at the mm. same time yeah. while I was doing all of this. Uh, every one of those encounters, everyone ate a little bit away from me. Mm. And it got to the point at the end of that junior year, I was so depressed. Mm. I felt so worthless. I felt like there was really nothing of me left, and I actually considered going into prostitution mm. because I thought, well, I might as well make money. Yeah, and wow. it was it was such a time for me that I I was almost on the verge of su suicidal because I had lost so much of myself. I had so much shame heaped on me, and I was in fear. I was in fear constantly from the harassment I was getting. My reputation was well known, especially on a certain dorm floor. Mm. And the harassment from the men, the harassment from their girlfriends from back home that would come in was devastating. And I just walked around the campus in fear my entire senior year. Wow. And Nancy, we, we share these stories, uh, ladies, because, um, and, and you're going to hear more from more women at the table that, um, we, we tend to forget that what the media tells us about promiscuity and, and, uh, being popular and, and, you know, it, it's not true. None of no. it's true. You just heard what Nancy said about the depression and suicidal thoughts, um, going into possibly prostitution as an option. Um, this is where your mind goes when you walk away from God, when you you, um, when, when you're on a completely different path. And I want to share a couple more stories because as Christian women, um, we forget that uh, God heals. And we shared a little bit. We're going to share more. But uh, I want to go to our, our Google Plus page where I've promised to keep everybody confidential there. Uh, but I do want to read because I did put this out as a, a show topic that people could comment on. And one one woman got in. I won't say her name. Uh, she said, you know, this, this whole idea is so very sad. I am completely completely ashamed of my past and I still have huge guilt over it and there are lifelong consequences that I have from a very long time ago. 
I've done everything in my life wrong, made every mistake you can dream up, and I still, I know I'm forgiven. I really don't understand it. I do wish I could let go of the guilt. And uh, so, you know, what do you say? I mean, I know this woman. I know she is a Christian woman. I know she's, all of the, her past is wiped clean, clean slate. She is justified in, in the eyes of God. But yes. that guilt is so hard, isn't it? That shame and that fear still. I did not join my alumni association until just a few years ago for the very reason that I was in fear of some of these guys from my past seeking me out and harassing me. Um, now I don't, I don't fear. And if any of them did contact me, I would share the gospel with oh, them awesome. and talk about what Jesus has done in my life yeah. to cleanse me, to heal me, to make me a new creation, and that he can do that for you, too. Yes. So, as many of you once were, Paul was talking about uh, those who were sexually promiscuous uh, back in the book of Acts, and, and he told his people that were listening to him, you know, you were that, you're not that anymore. He makes us brand new. Uh, another comment from a woman who uh, uh, wanted to share, uh, she said, the lifestyle that they described in the article that, that uh, we read on Friday, she said, I, I lived that in college too, even down to the feminism and thinking that I could use men for what I wanted and then discard them with no ill effects, not true at all. That lie was a whopper. I was emotionally hurt and empty because of the sins I committed and the sins committed against me and frankly a child who is neglected emotionally and uh, she says I used sex to fill a void for love which just turned out to be lust and it took years she says for me to stop even after I truly got saved it still took me a good four or five years to stop compromising for the sake of having someone or something to look forward to many people chided me for walking in purity when I finally stopped and that was five years ago, she says, this June, praise God. Uh, and they, you know, my old friends would say things like, well, you can't get your virginity back now. You might as well, you know, and, and these are Christians who would say, you'll never get married. No man wants to wait nowadays. Good luck with that. And I mean a host of other things. And she says, you know, I tell people to this day that I don't walk um, in purity by any strength of my own uh, or, or because I'm afraid of what people will say or how it will make me look as a Christian. I don't do it because I'm I'm afraid to get pregnant or afraid to get STDs. I do it because Christ said, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Keep the marriage bed pure. Uh, thank you for writing in. And, and there's more. And I know she said, I could write so I could write volumes. Mm. <laughs> but these are women who have been there. Yes. And um, so we hope at the table that you're hearing from our experiences and uh, you're hearing the hope that we have. There are. I tell you what, there are so many of us out there that have gone through this same thing. Satan doesn't have a whole lot of variety in how he attacks us. And notice how many of us have exactly the same story. Yeah. Uh, to the one you were just talking about, about uh, her friends telling her, you will never find a husband now. That's not true. I found my husband when I was uh, 30 Three, mm. and it wasn't until I was 34, 35 before we got married. Uh, we were not Christians at the time, and we actually did come together in sin. Mm. But God has redeemed us both, and God has made each of us 
into the perfect spouse for the other one. And you are. Your your marriage is such a treasure and and such a shining example. It's just so beautiful. Uh, One more email, uh, and this one was on our Facebook page at Naomi's Table. Um, This one's from Marsha, who has a whole ministry about uh, uh, promiscuity and, and purity. And she writes, I know what it is like to be promiscuous, get pregnant, and then choose to have an abortion, and then turn my back on men, too, to live a homosexual lifestyle for 15 years, during which time I decided I did want to have a child, and I didn't need a man to do that. She writes, I got officially inse- artificially inseminated and did have a child. What a sad and lonely life I've had, though. But thank God for his grace and his mercy, because he got a hold of my heart almost 15 years ago now, and life has never been the same. And after 10 years of committing my life to him, he brought me a godly man into my life. And uh, she, she goes on to say about how... Hallelujah. Uh, yeah, so she, she turned from a homosexual lifestyle only through the power of uh, Jesus Christ and what he does for us and, and what he did on that cross. And you know what that is? That is a full pardon of all sin, just completely wiped clean. Yes, and uh, I can't remember where it is, but there's that verse that says he separates our sin from from us as far as the east is from the west, and he indeed does if you surrender your life to him. Mm. And you know, um, we can listen to voices, as the the one woman shared. You know, many people come and say, "Well, you know, you know, you can't really leave that old lifestyle behind. You might as well just stick with it." What are you trying to do? Be pure, um, ladies. What does God say? Well, as you heard Nancy just say, uh, He wipes our sins completely free, as far as the east is from the west. But there are the voices of the enemy out there who will continually bring up what you once were and throw it in your face and use that to uh, cripple you emotionally and spiritually and to get you to doubt that salvation that you have. So the question we ask is, which voice are you listening to today? We'll be right back. We equip women around the world to nurture others with the word. Want to partner with Naomi's Table? Consider being a business partner. Details at Naomi'sTable.com. Naomi's Table will be back in a moment on Q90FM. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now back to Naomi's Table. Welcome back to the table. Well, we've talked about the challenges we as women face. If you've had a past that did not honor God in purity, and of course then the hope we have in Christ who makes us new creations. And we are those pure vessels, whether we choose to believe that or not. So how do we maintain that purity going forward, especially as godly women in our marriages? And I thought we'd follow up on that, Nancy, and just talk about some of these uh, um, challenges that we have if you are married. Now, um, single women, uh, I know that uh, uh, this might not apply to you, but uh, uh, think about this. This is what we need to be doing in marriages. And, and a marriage between a man and a woman is something holy and pure, and, and God has ordained this for uh, those of us that he has called to be married. And so that's why we're uh, going to be talking a little bit at the table now and some sharing some guidelines on uh, sexual purity in the marriage, and, and or, or purity in general. It doesn't even need to be sexual. But how do you keep the marriage bed pure? And we're going to be sharing a, a blog article today on naomistable.com, and uh, there, there are about 20 of these tips. Uh, but again, these are just suggestions. Some of these may work in your marriage. Maybe others uh, you've tried, and, and uh, yeah, you've got some challenges there. So let's talk about these. Nancy, what's the first one? Uh, the first one is regularly evaluate your relationship with your spouse. Beware of poor communication. 
inadequate conflict resolution, poor Mm. sexual relationship, discontentment, and other red flags. Keep your fingers on the pulse of your marriage. That is so true. And any time that I know Mike and I have gotten into trouble, it's been as a result of poor communication. Yeah. Uh, You know, women and men, uh, we we have this difficulty. I I say one thing and my husband hears it a a different way and and, uh, vice versa. So, yeah, who can't relate to that, right? (laughs) Absolutely. We had actually come up with a rule. This is before we actually had turned to Christ, but when we were first married, uh, we decided we would have a no head games rule. <laughs> okay. And that was just simply that you only act on what you hear. Mm-hmm. And that if the other person has something they're feeling but they're not expressing it, you are not responsible for that. But on the flip side, if you are upset about something and you don't say anything about it to the other person, they have no responsibility to read your mind and fix it. That's such a great idea. No head games thing. You know, how many times do you play this game with with your spouse where uh, uh, one of you isn't talking but has a kind of a hurt look on his or her face and the other one, oh, come on, just tell me, what, oh, come on. What's it, wrong? Yeah. Nothing. Uh, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> nothing. Uh, the next one is spend regular uninterrupted time together to uh, communicate on every level, uh, spiritually, intellectually, emotionally. Obviously, we're going to spend time together. So that's Love kind of a day no yeah. Love the date yeah. night. Uh, yes, date your spouse. Uh, it doesn't have to be in an expensive restaurant. In fact, you know, a lot of people can't afford to to have those kind of dates. But, you know, go take a walk around the block or something yeah. like that. We, we do need to make that time. We have something here in uh, De Pere where we live and the station's located called Buck Burger Night. Yeah, we don't and have that down where we live. But oh, Buck that's Burger. a shame. Well, okay. A lot of the, the little pubs and, and little restaurants that are in the downtown area, they have one dollar burgers ah. that you can go get and oh they are so good but it's fun to just go out and do something cheap like that and then just yeah. have a lot of good conversation with it yes and, and sometimes what we do is, is we just simply um read together you know we'll read different things and then we'll make sure we stop every few minutes and say what are you reading what are you reading you know and we'll just compare no it's it's a it's, I know we're kind of weird that way, but anyway, um, the next one, uh, share openly with other, with each other. Don't harbor secrets or withhold personal struggles. You know, if you're going through something, make sure you share that. Yes, that's the no head games rule, by the way. Uh, yeah, uh, so we're kind of repeating it there. And then if you have a job outside the home, uh, surround yourself with reminders of your spouse and children. Um, you know, that it sort of reinforces that connection to home and uh, where we can get into trouble and stray is at work. Yes. And another rule is be sure your relationships with the opposite sex are either casual or if they are close, that they are familial, like women with your brother or father or uncle or something like that. But but if it's not a family member, then please keep it casual. Well, and, and what we mean by casual is um, you, you don't go out to uh, a lunch without your spouse knowing it or, you know, at least maybe even being there. Uh, you make sure that you're not alone together with the opposite sex. Uh, if you're married and, and this isn't your husband, ladies, uh, uh, you want to limit that or, you know, find ways to protect your marriage that way. You know, don't become friends on Facebook with somebody that your husband doesn't even know and then you end up in these chat rooms with long conversations. That just, that'll just get you into trouble, you know, and, and we're not trying to, you know, point fingers here or anything, but these are just guidelines. These are suggestions. Yes, and it tells us in the Bible that we are to avoid even the appearance yeah. of sexual immorality. You should never be alone with a member of the opposite sex. No. 
If you have to meet with someone at work who is of the opposite sex, keep the door open. Yep. See if there's someone else who can come in the meeting with you. Because nothing can get rumors started and nothing can get you in trouble than than having those alone closed door meetings or or time alone with someone yeah. not of your spouse. You know, and I've worked in ministry now the last oh, five years in different places, and that's always been the rule. You know, whenever you're having those meetings, that door stays open or uh, uh, you get two or three of you in there, and that way uh, it's just not two uh, being one-on-one. And and it just it makes sense, and, and I forget sometimes that, uh, uh, you know, if you're working in the secular world, pe- people might not even understand why you'd want the door open. Yes. Here's another good one. Be fiercely loyal to your spouse. Speak highly of him and never downgrade him to anyone. That is good. And and I I like to think that I do that a lot, but sometimes I do complain about him. Yeah, and we that's don't want to be doing that. That's no. not appropriate. No. You know, when we were first married, I uh, I have to say that uh, we both did quite a bit of that uh, complaining about each other, or joking around about each other's uh, shortcomings with our friends. And finally, one guy said, and, and I wasn't saved, but uh, a Christian friend of my husband said, Amy, what are you doing? You, you don't talk like that about your own, the love of your life. And it's like, wow, that that's perfect. Thank you for sharing that with me. Because I didn't, I didn't realize what I was doing. I was, I was uh, opening doors that should not be opened. And in speaking to him, my sister shared something with me a long time ago, and it always struck me as really wise. She says, "Never speak to your husband any different than you would speak to your best mm-hmm. friend." Yeah. So you think of the grace and the tolerance that sometimes we have for a best friend, but yet we don't have for our husbands, who should be. The closest person on this earth to us. Uh, here's a good one. Uh, this is a great guideline that uh, should be more than a guideline. It should be your, what your marriage clings to. Don't share your marriage problems with someone of the opposite sex unless it's in a family or professional relationship. Uh, professional meaning uh, perhaps you're, you're in counseling or something like that. But even then, uh, we need to be very, very careful to protect our marriage. And, you know, uh, I would say don't even share those those uh, uh, problems that you're having just with casual friendships of the same sex I, I just wouldn't even go there i agree another one is be sensitive to your spouse's sexual needs they may be different than yours now those of us women who are over 50 we know the hormonal changes that can happen <laughs> yeah. and sometimes things aren't as practical but i think casey gives some really good advice when we talk to her about you know always remembering your husband and if you love him then maybe there is something else you can do in the marriage bed that that will take care of his needs even if you are not able to at -hmm. that time yeah and make sure that you get your information on sex from those with a biblical perspective watch out for popular sex experts in the media and in some of these even some of these popular uh sex books that have come out now uh by some of the the mega pastors you know those things uh just be careful what you consume compare everything to scripture absolutely this is one that casey talked about a lot be careful what you feed your mind on what you watch and listen to and what you read and how you talk about sex and what you laugh at. Yeah. Guard your mind. Um, I 
I think so much of uh, the problems that women have and the discontentment they have in marriage comes from those cheap romance novels. Uh, I know, and we mentioned one of them earlier, but uh, they've been around for a long time, and they will continue to uh, to just bombard us, as as will everything else, programs we watch. Um, You know, another one is uh, just be very um, mindful of anticipating and then preventing and avoiding any uh, sexual temptation that might be out there. you know, enough said, right? I mean, yes. just keep those borders up. And this kind of goes along with it. When your sex drive is activated, mentally transfer it to your husband. Mm, perfect. I, you know, can't say enough about that one. That's great. Uh, another one, take time to cultivate your inner life. Take care of your spiritual health. Be in God's word. You know, you need his strength through the Holy Spirit to resist all those pressures out there. There is nothing like prayer. Just uh, prayer is so important. Being with yes. the Savior, being in His Word, and we need to pray with and for each other as yeah. well. You know, uh, our, our marriage life improved years ago. We we decided that uh, you know it wasn't enough to ask each other if we'd prayed separately. You, you you hold hands and you pray. You you go out and you pray. You you wake up in the morning and you pray. Pray together. It's it's amazing what happens if you don't now and you begin. It's just an incredible incredible growth journey. Absolutely. Also, we need to take care of our physical health. Be as attractive to your mate as you can, but also think of of being around for him, mm. being healthy for him. Yeah. You want to take care of your heart, ladies. You need to ca- take care of uh, anything. You know your your uh, reproductive health, your heart health, your um, liver, your lungs, yeah. your mind. All of these things can benefit from good nutrition and from supplements and it'll help your energy level as well if you do that yes and you can be um this is one casey talked about a lot too be modest with others in public and uh, you know in in private it's different but um you don't want to be attracting people who aren't your own husband Absolutely. Another one is um, ask your Christian friends to be held accountable. Uh, a prayer partner can be very, very helpful if you have another woman, a spiritual mom, or even a spiritual daughter. You know, ask them to hold you accountable for uh, what what you say you need to do in your marriage, uh, just to keep your marriage pure and holy. And also encourage your husbands to join a men's group, a men's Bible study. I know the one that my husband belongs to, those men do hold each other accountable, and they are very open and honest with each other about these kinds of struggles that men have with this. And that is, I am just so thankful that he is in a group like that. So encourage your husbands to get involved in those sorts of men's groups at church. Yes, and I I just encourage men. I know that there are a few men who listen to this program, even though uh, we're not teaching men here, just to get that clear. Our main audience, our audience is women. Uh, But uh, to the men who are listening, I would just say, you know, um, uh, there are plenty of very good Bible studies around. And I know guys feel, uh, you know, with their work, schedules, uh, working all day, coming home that they don't have time, and then they become isolated. Yeah, but but it's so important to be with other men. I know the two groups that my husband is involved with at church, he just feels like he's really missed something if he doesn't go. It, it's so energizing and encouraging to him to be with other men yeah. who feel the same things he feels, and maybe he's been there first and he can help them. 
and it's just such a big encouragement way to equip the body and build up the church. Yeah, my husband as well, and and uh, he just really gets a kick out of uh, just the, this, the sharing that they do, the laughing that they do that he can't do at home, but you know he can. Of course, we we have a great time. We laugh. Humor is a great part of our marriage, but uh, but just that special bonding that you get with men that that men have with each other, uh, and it's such a gift to us as women. So so guys, uh, uh, yes, that is a gift to us when when you are being sped, uh, fed spiritually and held accountable with other uh, guys uh, that, that just blesses us so much absolutely well now it is time to open our bibles and prepare ourselves to sit at the feet of our bible study teacher ruth christian now she's here with lesson 15 in our bible study in first john titled in god's family now this one is a topical study we think you'll enjoy and we've got all the notes on our website at naomistable.com let's begin It's time to pull up a chair and open your Bible for today's Bible study segment of Naomi's Table. Now, here's our teacher, Ruth Christian. Today we're going to take time to consider just this one verse that we've been talking about. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. We, we have that, of course, in chapter 3, the first part of verse 1. Notice that John says, Behold. This is the same word that he used in verse 5 to say no. It's the same Greek word that can be translated consider, be aware, behold, behold, perceive. So he says behold. He's saying, you know, see this, consider this, perceive this. So the Holy Spirit here really, really wants us to see this. And he's not ashamed to show it to us. Spurgeon says this about this verse. He says, there in this verse, he says, You poor people that love me, you sick people, you unknown, you obscure people, without any talent, I have published it before heaven and earth and made the angels know it that you are my children, and I am not ashamed of you. I glory in the fact that I have taken you for my sons and daughters. God went far beyond what he had to do in his plan for salvation. We could just be his safe creation. But no, he gave us a brand new family, his family. So John says to his beloved spiritual children, then in verse 2, Beloved, now we are children of God. I think it's important to consider this truth that John is speaking about. All real Christians are placed into the family of God. Really? Really? I mean, it's true. All real Christians have been placed into the family of God. And at the end of the previous chapter, verse um, 29... He tells us one of the proofs that we are a child of God is this. Everyone who keeps on practicing righteousness is born of him. Is that the desire of your heart, to be obedient to God's word, living out the scriptures daily? It's important to understand a related truth. Every man and every woman is God's creation. But this relationship is not sufficient to offset the penalty of sin because all persons are sinners separated from God. Romans 3.23 says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, for a sinful person to become a child of God, 
a miraculous transformation must take place. The Bible refers to this change as being born again. I personally believe every true salvation testimony is a miracle. The story of a regenerated heart where God has done a supernatural work in our innermost being. Contemporary Christian songwriter and recording artist Stephen Bennett has written a song called, Do You Have a Testimony? The first verse asks two important questions. Do you have a testimony, a day you can recall, when you gave your life to Jesus, your heart, your mind, your soul? Is there an hour that you know when you were born again, a new creation came forth, and the old came to an end? Wow, I I do have such a day when I became a new creation in Christ Jesus. And the reality is, I became a child of God. How about you, precious sisters? In Galatians 3, verses 2 through 6, Paul says, For you are all sons, and I would say daughters, of God through faith in Christ. No one is a child of God if they do not know Christ. But when we know Christ... As a result of being born again, we gain God as Father. Paul in these verses is explaining the unity of the church through the Holy Spirit. And in verses 5 and 6, he says, he's talking and he says, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Now some would take this out of context and see, and say, see, he's the Father of all, all people. But no, the context here is of all true believers. He's the father of all true believers. God is our father. The relationship we have with the amazing, all-powerful God we worship is that of a child to his father. The first to call God his father, of course, was Jesus. Now, can you imagine calling Jehovah, the self-existing, sovereign God, the I Am, Father? To an Old Testament Jew, calling God Father would have been unthinkable. So when Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray, and he said, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, and of course we see that in Matthew 6 and Luke 11, Jesus was introducing a shocking new concept. The words, our Father, opened up a whole new realm of intimacy with God. Our hearts can now cry out together with John, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on me, that I should be a child of God? We are children of God. His Spirit living within us enables us to cry out to Him with all the trust of a little child, in devotion, love, admiration, confidence, and security. Prayer is our privilege and our birthright as a child of God. But there's one more truth to think on as we consider the fact that we are part of God's family. When we experience our spiritual birth, when we are born again, we are immediately adopted by God. Paul develops this idea of sonship when he writes of the doctrine of adoption in his epistles in Ephesians and Romans. When this is seen in light of our position as sons of God, the Greek word for adoption is interesting indeed. The word, which I can't pronounce very well, uh, comes from two words, 
huios, which means son, and thesis, which means position. We are given the position of son. And how did this happen? Jesus Christ, the son, took our position on the cross in order that we might take the position of the son in heaven. He who was rich became poor for my sake and your sake, that we might enjoy the riches of God. That's 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Think of when a child is adopted. It's the will of the father and the mother. It's their their desire to bestow incredible love on this child, adopt them into their family, and give them the same privileges as their begotten children. This is a picture of what our Father in Heaven has done for us. Being adopted into God's family also implies a dramatic transformation status from slave to son, Galatians 4, verses 1 through 5. We are no longer in bondage to the Master, but become a free son or a free daughter, possessing all the rights and privileges of sonship. One of these rights is to call God Abba, Romans 8.15, an affectionate term meaning father, meaning daddy or papa. This marvelous relationship carries responsibilities with it, as well as many privileges. John has been continually showing us we are responsible to obey God as an obedient child of our Father in Heaven, loving Him and loving our family. And don't be deceived by those who are not really of our family. Remember, all who have the hope of having their sonship perfected someday are presently purifying their own lives. That was chapter 2, verse 28. Since we bear the family uh, relationship to God, we must also exhibit the family character, glorifying God with our lives. In closing, one more thing about this love that the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. John seventeen twenty three, Jesus says, I in them, he's praying here to the Father, and he says, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and I have loved them as you have loved me. Emphasis on love them as you have loved me. As means to the same degree in the Greek. In other words, Jesus says that the Father loves me and loves you, his adopted daughter, to the same degree that he loves Jesus, his only begotten Son. All of God's children are loved to the same degree that the Father loves Jesus. How's that for amazing? So, dear sisters, take some time in prayer, praising and thanking God for his amazing love towards you, that you are a child of God, and how he loves you so much that he adopted you into his family and loves you as he loves his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. How can we not want to walk in righteousness when we consider this? So, until next time... Stay close to Jesus and keep looking up. Naomi's Table is 100% listener-supported, serving women around the world thanks to our listeners' generous gifts. Go to our website, naomistable.com. 
and click on the support button. And thank you for equipping us to equip women. We'll get back to Naomi's table in just a moment on Q90FM. No empty calories served here. Now back to Naomi's table. We are back at the table, and you've just heard uh, Ruth Christian do her Bible Lesson 15 titled In God's Family, and it's a topical study. We kind of broke a little bit from what Ruth normally does, but she'll be back tomorrow doing the line-by-line, verse-by-verse again, and uh, just encourage you to go to our website at naomistable.com, download the notes there. They're very good. Ruth puts those together, and uh, there are quite a few questions on there to get you to ponder and go a little deeper, which is what we're going to do in this segment today, Nancy, what stood out to you in this Bible study? Well, I loved the verses that she chose for this. She actually talked about verse 1 and 2 in 1 John 3. See or behold what love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And I think that, you know, when you look at that word, uh, she mentioned the word behold. Mm that it was actually the same Greek word that was used earlier for no. So see this, consider this, be certain of this, that all real Christians are in the family of God. Mm, that's so beautiful. That, that is yeah. just an amazing concept. There is no other religion like that no. where the ultimate God adopts you as his own children. Wow, and to be daughters with uh, other daughters, we have spiritual siblings, and they're all around the world. Some of you uh, are right here at the table with us. We've got uh, people from Naomi's table in, in different countries, and, and we're sisters in Christ. It's, it's just incredible. Oh, without a doubt. There are so many times that I hear of someone in the news, and, and they are obviously a Christian. They are obviously uh, declaring the gospel or proclaiming righteousness or or something that you can see their fruit. And I look at her, and even if it's someone a world away, I'll say, Oh, I'm going to look forward to meeting her someday. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? You know, uh, there are some great cross-references to what Ruth was reading. In, in Deuteronomy 14.1, it says, You are the children of the Lord your God, and do not cut yourselves or, or shave the front of your heads. And this is how he was identifying children back then. But now, we don't have those to uh, uh, encumber us. And now, uh, he came to just gather us and adopt us as his daughters and his sons and, and we don't have to worry about uh, anything that holds us back from that as long as we have that faith uh, in Jesus and what he, his shed blood on the cross has done for us. Yes, and I, I like it where she pointed out that the proof of this, of your being born again, is if you practice righteousness. So being obedient, living out the scriptures daily, that is the proof that you have been born again and that's something we need to remember we are supposed to bear fruit yes uh, John uh, in the first chapter verse 12 it says yet to all who did receive him to those who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of God what an amazing concept Romans even says it too uh, Romans 8.14 says for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God so if you're led by the spirit of God you're his daughter and I know there are some women out there maybe that, that didn't have the best father in the world. Maybe he was abusive. Maybe he criticized you all the time. Maybe he wasn't even there. Maybe you were just totally abandoned by him. Or you lived in fear of him. And the wonderful news of all of this is that when we know Christ through being born again, 
we gain God as our Father. He's the Father of all of us. And that not only is He the Father of all of us, but we can actually call Him Abba, which is the Aramaic for Daddy. Yes, and we can come to Him anytime. In fact, we are to come to Him because in Him there's that peace that surpasses all understanding. Oh, yes. And when Jesus took our position on the cross, we could take his position as a son of God or a daughter of God. And having that ability to know that you are a child of God, that makes you royalty, doesn't it? It does. Um, you know... When we think about that, our position uh, as as pure and white and and clean in front of a just and holy God, uh, just because of our, you know, just because we've believed in what His shed blood has done, uh, nothing else we can do to be His daughter. No, He draws us to Him, and it, it's through His sacrifice. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to do any works. Uh, we don't have to do any spiritual acrobatics or anything like that. We could just come to Him as we are. A great story in the Bible that. It demonstrates this is the story of the prodigal son. Yeah. And you remember when the, the prodigal son came to himself, he repented. He knew what he had done was awful, terrible. And he said, even the servants, the slaves in my father's household have food to eat. Mm-hmm. I have nothing as he was there really doing nothing but taking care of pigs and eating whatever corn husks were thrown to the pigs. And by the way, how did that start? That started as a promiscuous, uh, self-centered, I'm going to do it on my own lifestyle. Squandering all the money that he had gotten from the father. And so once he repented, he came home, walked all the way home. And while he was still far off, the father, who never stopped watching for him to come home, ran out to him Mm -hmm. and even though he was filthy he was probably still covered in pig poop and dust from the road and everything and the father embraced him and hugged him and threw his own uh, very expensive robe over his shoulders and put rings on his fingers and when the older son who had been serving the father faithfully all this time complained the father said Rejoice with me. Mm. The son that was dead is now alive. Yes. Uh, isn't that amazing? And, and he didn't hold those past things against him. He was just so uh, thankful and joyful that his son had come home. Oh, we, we have such a gracious God. And there is nothing that we could have done that he cannot erase with the blood of Christ. If you have repented, if you have surrendered your life to Him. Yes. So ladies, as you, as you listen to this and you apply it to what we just talked about earlier in the program, um, we don't need to be listening to an enemy who will continually throw our sins back in our faces and say, and accuse. That's what the enemy does. The enemy accuses and, uh, the Father gives us His righteousness. He exchanges, uh, His righteousness for our sin and it is no more. And just so you don't let your own emotions deceive you as well, many times we don't feel forgiven. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the people you talked about earlier said that she still feels shame to this day. That when we don't feel forgiven, and no matter how many times we've repented and asked God to forgive us of this, 
we still go back to it again and again. We're basically telling God, my opinion is worth more than yours. Mm. We don't want to do that. He has promised us. And if we don't believe that promise and hold to that promise, then we're basically calling God a liar. Yeah. And it's okay to look back at our sin. Like I look back at, at what I did in college and all the things that, that uh, really were ridiculous. I, I shudder sometimes at the things that I've done, and it just grieves me, but I don't uh, any longer hold on to it. I or don't live hold under on. condemnation. Exactly. I don't hold on to the shame, but I remember it, and, and I, I recognized instantly how vile it is before uh, God, who is so perfect and so pure, and uh, and, and again, that shame is gone. The shame is gone. I can still look back and go, Ew, but uh, but I don't have that that continual um, pounding of shame and the accusation from the enemy. And he doesn't wipe it totally from our memory, so that we can use it to help others. Yeah, that's a yeah. That's others a who have gone it. through certain things, uh, similar things. Others that are maybe tempted to get into these things. We can help them by remembering those sins, but we know. They have been forgiven. Mm. All right, ladies. So if you're thinking about uh, the, the past and you're dwelling on some of those things, can you keep in mind that you are forgiven? Because that is the truth. The, the scriptures tell us that we are forgiven. Um, however, you can use your memories and uh, what, where you have been to help other young uh, uh, spiritual daughters in your life come to know the truth. So how are you going to do that today as we go forward? How are you going to take uh, that condemnation you used to live under and use it to minister to those who may still be under condemnation to bring them to the light of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus? Well, we're going to leave it there for now and let you think about that. We're going to take a break, and uh, when we come back, we'll wrap up this program. We equip women around the world to nurture others with the word. Want to partner with Naomi's Table? Consider being a business partner. Details at Naomi'sTable.com. Naomi's Table will be back in a moment on Q90FM. Have a question or a comment for Naomi's Table? Contact us at Naomi'sTable.com. Now back to the table. Welcome back to the table. I want to let you know about a program that we're doing tomorrow. We're titling it Reaching Across Oceans for Eternity. And we're going to be talking about women who leave everything they know of home and comfort to share the gospel in some very dark places. And uh, Nancy, if you've ever been on a short-term mission trip, uh, we and, and I have, you know that it changes you forever just to go for a few days uh, when you meet people and, and serve them in their greatest need. But what happens if that short-term becomes years long term uh, we're going to meet one woman tomorrow uh, by the name of Jen Bell and uh, she calls Indiana her home but really for the last eight years she and her family live full time working with children in uh, African villages in Kenya and she's going to be sharing her story it's quite amazing oh I know she is such a dear woman too I just love her oh, to death yep. she is glad I glad I got to meet her and you ladies will be very blessed by her at the table well why don't we show uh, the lady some scripture and, and just close out this program with the word of God what do you have there Nancy well I just want to remind women that if you have gone through similar experiences to what I went through or to what many of the Google Plus ladies have gone through in college or high school or wherever and you're feeling like you have nothing left for God that that he couldn't possibly want you because of what you've been through. I want to read to you from the passage in Isaiah 61. And when Jesus first started his ministry, this is the passage that he read from. 
The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, to display His glory. Mm, that is so beautiful. Sisters, I hope you heard that. <laughs> That's just a, a fantastic way to leave this program today. It is time to say goodbye. Please do share of the Bible studies, any resources you find on our website, the podcast. You know, we don't worry about copyright. Just go ahead and take whatever you need that will bless your walk and to help others the same. We will see you tomorrow. Thank you for joining us today at Naomi's Table. We encourage you to head over to Naomi'sTable.com for resources, articles, Bible study guides, and much more. Until next time, be equipped and encouraged in God's Word.